Hello and welcome to the Manifest Image. Here we look at art movements, their works, theory, and explore their relevance to creatives today. This week we'll look at the Salon d'Automne of 1905 that gave birth to the Forbes, and explore the questions: What is the role of a critic? How does context affect a work of art? And what are some ways we can approach and analyze a work of art? I'm Thomas Greengrass, and I'm Ariel de la Garza. The okay. Salon de Autumn, nineteen o five. Excited for this one. A little bit different. First one that we're not doing about futurists. First one we're not doing. I'm excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the way to look at this one is it's almost a prelude to Fauvism. This is actually a little bit of a study of the Salon itself, and we're going to see. Thomas has kept his cards very, very close this mm. week in preparation for this episode. I know very little about yeah. what he's going to uh, to spur on me. Yeah, I he mean, he says that's yeah. important. It is. I, it will I, be. I trust him. Oh, excellent! No, there, you go. there will be later works. Podcast audiences love camaraderie. They do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there will be later works. Notes on a painter, famous work by Matisse. He's going to be a dominant figure. But the, the dominant figure. He will be the dominant figure. Perhaps we should, before we get into the salon, just mention that yes, at this uh, at this point, nineteen o four to nineteen ten, roughly, could be nineteen o five to nineteen o eight, or nineteen o four to nineteen o seven. Oh, as per wonderful! The book in front Even of me now. better. Yeah. Who's that? Sarah Whitfield. Yes, little essay. It says. Yeah, so a very imprecise movement, and you have so many. You've got Matisse, Vlaminck, Darin, and these are your major three. But then after that, you've got Fries, Van Dongen, Delaunay, uh, Pinchon, Marquette, Puy, Debon, Duffy, Metzinger, Camois, Marguerite, Rouault, Rouault, Braque, Rousseau. Um, and there's so, another yes. one that you uh, skipped over. Yes. What's that, please? Which one? Is, oh, Chobel. Ah, oh, there it is. There we yeah. go. <laughs> well, that, yeah. And so many other. And we're going to see how close some of these figures are. Um, some of these also were, uh, I think, like say Van Dongen mm. um, and Marquet, for example, are sometimes called like Fauvettes, yeah. um, as kind of minor contributors to the movement, mm. and are, many are not thought of as kind of as great as say mm. Matisse or so on. Um, but it, Picabia it's, is also there as well. Oh, right, Picabia. Yeah. But it, but it's interesting. It's it's very. It'll be very interesting to see some of these paintings. Um, it will. Yeah. But is there a coherent movement? This is one of our big questions that we'll be facing. When and we one that I think we'll only start to touch on today. Um, yeah, we'll in the, touch in on the that second a little one, bit later. Because now it's a, it'll be clearly very early to mm. uh, to say whether or not this is. Yes. This is a movement. I mean, far too early. Perspectives of artists at the time when you're going in there with your cap and a rolled up newspaper um, into the big salon and you're starting to look up and down. Who knows? With the benefit of hindsight, and according to most historians, whilst this is officially the birth of the word fauve in terms of the art movement, mm-hmm. what are considered fauve works actually do predate this salon. Mm. But we're not going to care about that. Sure. As I said, 
our questions are, how does context affect a work of art? What is the role of a critic? How should, what are some of the ways that we can actually approach a work of art? What we've done this week is had a fragment of a recreation of the 1905 Salon. So I have prepared some of the images from that salon. Which will be available to you uh, below. They will be available, absolutely. Uh, to look at them as we talk about them. And I'm going to show them to my dear co-host Ariel. And we're going to see what similarities, differences, whether there's a sense of some sort of unity. And then we'll actually compare it, uh, our own thoughts here, with uh, the work of some of the critics of the time. Let's do it. So, first of all, maybe just a little bit of background to the Salon. Uh, the Salon d'Automne, or the Autumn Salon, uh, it was founded in 1903. Uh, it was the, the brainchild of uh, Franz Jordan. Have I pronounced that correctly? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Your yeah. confidence there fills Franz me Jordan. with confidence. Franz Jordan. Yeah. Um, and uh, the way to look at it is... It is a kind of an independent salon. It's a salon of rejects. It uh, was mainly uh, created explicitly, as a to... a, a, explicitly a salon of rejects and of independence. Yeah, an independent uh, well, salon. Yeah, there explicitly was a, founded yeah, as such. But there was actually a salon of independence mm. that was also uh, doing work in that that same year. And Matisse actually re- shows a very famous picture that we will look at in the future at that one. So that's why I say that there's already some sort of four notions. Mm-hmm. already around, or certainly works that we now look back on, so we sort of predate these things. Um, but um, uh, uh, it, there's an impressionistic air about it. They're mm-hmm. very big on their impressionists. They want to bring it to a wider audience. They encourage uh, uh, creativity at this salon. It's not just about paintings. It's also about sculptures, architecture. They even included photographs after 1904. So it's it's quite a it's quite a complex and an open and encouraging air. So mm-hmm. if things are too much for this salon, then you... They'll certainly be too much for all the other salons. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so it's still very early. Founded in 1903, and this is 1905 that we're going to be looking at some of these uh, But it's, it's interesting. I do want to mention a few of the other names um, that were mentioned as the founders of the salon. Oh, um, among them, very important is Eugène Carrière, who was the professor, the, the sort of teacher of many of these, um, of of some of these artists, and uh, to whom they dedicate uh, a part of this text, um, their of their opening catalogue. And uh, among them is also Félix Vallotton, who's recently, well, recently, know, a few years ago, um, there was a show of his in London. Um, was really, really great. Really liked him. Anyway. Oh, excellent. There you go. Is that one fact there? Yeah. Felix who? Valoton. Oh, I don't know. Um, who's been, I think, reappraised um, somewhat of late. Um, oh. As a pretty wonderful painter, but more importantly, a great uh, engraver. Who has some excellent woodcuts that do some great stuff with negative space. But you've actually read this catalogue. Uh, yeah, you've part, read a part of it. the introduction of the catalogue, sure. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Okay, 1905, we've got all these who are going to be labelled as uh, uh, Forbes uh, starring there. Uh, but you also have uh, dedicated wor- uh, rooms for Ancre and Edouard Manet. 
the same room. So it's it's a very complex. There's something like over one thousand works exhibited at the salon. Mm-hmm. So it is it's teeming. But there's a room that's got all these what would later be called fauves in it, mm-hmm. and that's that's our fragment. We're going to be recreating that room, or well, my my okay. weak attempt at it. Okay. Let's, let's do well, no, I was just wondering, is there anything else from the opening of the catalogue that's interesting? It's a pretty strange text. Um, <laughs> the beginning of it is very much what you would expect. So this is the third catalogue, um, yep. the, third, the third salon that they do. And it starts much as these kind of texts do, saying that this is the new independent salon and that here you can be free and so on and so forth, as every single um, new collective of artists says. Uh, but it seemed to be fairly true. Um, when do we do that? When do we open our own salon? Oh, oh God. The Manifest oh. Image Salon. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll get some funders in. We'll do a Medici-style thing. We'll start funding it. Uh-huh. Sur- sur- yeah. Of course, yeah. That, that's exactly what will happen. And um, then then there were some, some uh, slightly strange things that I'm now obviously struggling to find. Um, well, here it is. The... Uh, Fall Salon has taken upon itself to prove, through these uh, retrospectives, the legitimacy of the revolutionary effort to rejoin tradition. So I found that quite strange, Um, but I think we can tie it into some other quotes I found um, to do with what they were doing. Um, Because Fauvism, as... Uh, new as it is, or as revolutionary as it is, is not really a very radical break um, with with the past. It's still very much playing with the same tropes, with the nude, with these pastoral scenes. Uh, not just pastoral. I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, no, um, absolutely. Yeah, pastoral. pastoral we've got cityscapes sure, as well. Bucolic, yep. Yeah, exactly. All of these things. Um, so it's more to do with a loosening of technique, perhaps, and then then something to do with abstraction that this loosening of technique allows the better of these painters like Matisse to do, um, which some of the other ones, the Fauvettes, mm. don't quite get mm. to that point. Um, but they're still very much trafficking in the same kind of traditional, almost, for lack of a better word, tropes of classical painting. So that's what I got from the catalog. Very nice, very mm-hmm. nice. The reason I, I have no, nothing to say is because it's in French and I don't speak it, yeah. so, alas. And Google Translate deceived me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, excellent. So let's, let's I think, dive in. And uh, I'm sorry, Ariel, you, you are walking into this blind. Yes, so completely I'm, blind. So I am throwing you in at the deep end. Uh, actually, let's first of all um, take a look at this Cezanne. Yes. So there is a Cezanne there, and this is uh, 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 the Large Bathers in English. It's a 1898 work. Uh, how would you say that in French? Cezanne? No. Cezanne. Les Baigneurs. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the Bathers. There's, is it the Bathers? I don't know why it's Large Bathers. Because he's got he's got other works called. He, the mu- he must have he must yeah. have smaller versions. You know. <laughs> um, but this is a a, a print, right? Uh, yeah. This is this is a lithograph was, or something. Yeah. Uh, and it is, uh, uh, and this was on display there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to hear you uh, start to break it down. So, so there are uh, that I can see four men um, in 
some are nude, some have some kind of a bathing. Is there some is there some uh, nice British way of saying swimsuit? Uh, the swimming trunks. Swimming trunks. It's not something like a bathing costume or something. Bathing costume. So they're wearing their bathing costume. A few of them are wearing bathing costumes. That feels more mm. attuned with the times. Um, and to, to, well, one, one of the. I, I mean, it's 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 a pretty kind of erotic scene. I'd say almost. I mean, there's some men kind of languorously laying on a field. Mm. Um, feels kind of Greek. There's some very staggering mountains in the background. Is that a banana tree? It might be. I don't know. It, it does. Yeah. In terms it, it, of feels, figures, it feels kind of tropical. It feels kind of tropical. There's a, the there's a man who I think is looking at that other ground. man's butt. Um, right. But it's difficult to tell. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely Cezanne. Trust your mind to wander there. Yes. <laughs> but the color palette. Color palette, uh, it's pretty muted. I wonder whether these colors have survived properly through the time. Um, because I know the Fauves are very much known for their colors. Well, this is 1898, Cezanne. So this is not... This is just there. Sure. Even then, I'm still... I, I, I still wonder how well the colors survived. But what we can see now, anyway, are kind of muted... A sort of muted, warm palette of, say, grayish greens and a kind of warm sepia um, bathing. Kind of... The, the warm sepia is like the, the base shadow of the whole scene. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's nice. It's like washed then nice quite, ab- quite abstract. Space yeah, quite abstract. Mountains. Yeah, all of these things. It's fairly abstract a little bit. I mean, um, it's not hard realism by any means. No. It's got. Uh, uh, I think you'd relate it to uh, what's now today called primitivism in with inverted commas, a kind of mm. Gauguin uh, sort of naturalistic scene. Mm-hmm. I think also that possible banana plant in the background lends credence mm. to that theory mm. what's the next one so yeah th- that's obviously not what's con- now considered a fourth work but mm-hmm. that's i just give a little bit of an intro in terms of the mood of the salon all right so obviously, this one wasn't fauvism no no not a- well maybe no oh, so uh, well, obviously one of my questions what d- will define if anything sure. uh, um so not, not buckle this. in buckle in listeners um, absolutely there's a thousand more of these to go yes <laughs> Uh, let's let's okay. We're gonna dive in with a harder one. Straight in, Henri Matisse, woman with a hat or woman with hat, femme au chapeau. Mm-hmm. Femme au chapeau. There you yeah, go. That's pretty great. It's pretty Pre- great. It's pretty great. There you go, listeners. Mm-hmm. And next, next. All right, week, next one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one. Yeah. That's it. That's our summary. So it's a woman staring staring at you, kind of um, from over her shoulder, sitting on a. Chair? Might I be a chair. Think? What's that she's holding in her hand? It's a bit strange. It might be like a like she's sitting in some kind of a lawn chair with a... She has a little walking stick or something. Um, she has a hat that looks like it's almost full of fruits. It's very lovely, very decorative. Does, um, it does look like... It's almost like a still life, isn't it? And pastels. Yeah, the sort of pastel colors. It's an oil painting, is it? Yep. Okay. Uh, but yeah, all in, in pastel tones, very vibrant, lovely colors. So, uh, so yeah, in terms of the genre, it's it's a portrait. Mm-hmm. So a relatively standard classical quite style. close close in on the woman. Yeah, um, uh, uh, and she seems what she how she depicted. She's wearing okay, quite a flamboyant hat, but nonetheless fully clothed, perhaps even holding a fan. Is that a fan? Who knows? 
Could be. It's, like hard, it's hard to tell. A fan. But um, uh, so it isn't, in terms of its subject matter, this isn't experimental. No, exactly. The subject matter isn't. The perspective, the perspective and the colors certainly are. Mm. And the colors are, are really What are beautiful. the colors you see? I feel a bit silly just describing these vagaries to our listeners, but blues, greens, reds, everything. So how is the paint applied? Look at the direction of the paint. Is there anything touching about it? Hmm. No. No, <laughs> no, there we go. Um, One of our questions was, <laughs> what are some of the ways to approach a work of art? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, No. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a bit hard to tell from, from the gleaming laptop screen that this thing is uh, coming out of, but... But it seems I chaotic, would imagine. I think. Yeah, it's chaotic. I mean, here I, you've got it, a fairly straight, vertical lines. But True. then here, you know, we're going I, off it, at angles, diagonal. More than lines, I would say just the sweep. The sweep yeah. of the brush is happening in different, um, yeah, in different latitudes, I guess. So something that's up and down, then horizontal, then kind of all over the place. So it, it does make it very energetic. Mm. It's a very energetic painting. Oh, that's like, okay. Yeah, that's it feels very energetic to me. And in terms of... I, mean, I would, I would think nothing. that it's quite heavily applied um, in certain places. Yep. It looks like there would be a, a big impasto, but I, I can't really tell again from here. Where are you thinking? Something like the hat or... Uh, no, I'd say around... Uh, is that a, uh, the, the bib. It's not a bib. No, you know what that is? That is a fan. It is a fan. It is a fan. Around the fan. Around the fan. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <coughs> Uh, I, I, I totally agree. I think that's the impressionistic. Yeah, it's very, very definitely. energetic, though. It's a lot more energetic than impressionism. Mm. Mm. Impressionism has this kind of soft, like melodic quality, um, a little bit to me. Whereas this looks like it was done really quickly. And some of it feels fast. But in in terms of as a work, mm-hmm. is there anything about realism of it? I mean, uh, no, I guess not. It's depicting something, clearly, um, but that's it. It's mm. representational. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's other things being conveyed. Have you it. ever seen a clown background like that? A clown background? Yeah, I think yes. that's how you describe it. Yes. It is. It's, it's, um, it's, it's the, if that was real, this is, the, this is the home of a madman. But those kinds of, but those kinds of backgrounds are... are I think become much more common after this. I mean, they 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 appear in Kandinsky. They appear all over yeah, the place. Yeah, but not as real. They're oh, well, of course. Well, of course, of course, not real. Mm. I mean, but it's certainly representational. Most of the painting is at least. And know. in terms of, I mean, look at how the face is actually made up. I mean, if you have it, texture, you I have could imagine volume. Sure, I could imagine that maybe you could think that there's a green, there's a blue, there's orange, you can imagine that this would be some kind of a field. And there's a yellow that could be the sun glaring into the painter's eyes. There's some kind of a strange lens flare-like effect. Obviously, there's no lens, but... Um, yeah, like placid reflections and a little blue, the green, the blue. Um, but also, I would see, if I think that way, then, then maybe we're looking at many different times of day. Could there be. are different shadows of light from different hours all over her face. Blues from the afternoon, 
you know, the red glows of a sunset, all of this. Mm. One of the fascinating things, uh, I think the shadows is really interesting. If, just looking at her sort neck. Of the, the, the soft pinks in the background and the blues, yeah. sort of the purples. And there is a vague circularity to it as well in terms of the direction. But, uh, but uh, her neck, um, you've got this very strong uh, a dark orange one, on one side, but then you've got this lighter orange that seems to be under her cheek. And so if you were to think that that's meant to be representational of some sort of shadow, then it would seem that the light has to be coming uh, sort of from, from what's her left side. And yet it's actually on the right side of her face that you get... Uh, this intense sort of orange that would suggest that her face is being lit up. And that doesn't correspond to yeah, the, the, light, the shadow the light, under her, th- that right side of her know, neck. Yeah, and the so, light would have to be coming from the top right corner. Yeah, and so Which th- it doesn't it seem like th- th- there is a light source. Not, there not clearly, doesn't no. seem to be anything like that. Whatever color is doing here, it doesn't seem to correspond to any sort of light effects. It's not just experimental in terms of light. It's actually, I think getting rid of it. I mean, look at the hat in terms of you've got the shadow outline on the right. Does that make sense at mm-hmm. all? What is that? Does it make sense at all? I think not. No, but the light, the light is really wonderful. It, that, that soft pink background really makes it seem to me like, like we are witnessing a bit like how in Cubism one is taught this. I don't know if this is true, but it's certainly been told to me that mm. Cubism... Uh, tries to kind of flatten out all the different dimensions of a of a scene or of a painting into one plane, mm. and that's why you get these incredibly distorted things. Although obviously, it's I mean that could only be vaguely true because oh, well, I, I, obviously I'm, I'm you can't. I'm not going to take the bait to talk about this because we'll no, get no, no, to but Cubism. but but yeah. but I, I just just quickly, it's just I don't. I mean, I don't even know if that could ever be true because obviously there are ways to make. I. The point is, there's, is there, there is no mathematical no no there's there's no mathematical attempt for them to do that right so no. that can't be their real intention. Um, they do seem to be kind of gluing different dimensions into one thing, and it mm. feels like that's what he's doing here with with light, with time of day, with the emotion that he's looking at this woman with. I want you to. I'm really fighting. No, I, I to a keen listener. They will have heard my question there, made it out. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm going to move on. We're going to move on. Okay, we've got um, Matisse's Woman with Hat. Second Matisse, Open Window. Again, 1905. Okay, well, look, immediately I like this one less. You like this one less? Yes. Describe it, please. Um, Is this also an oil painting? Yes. Okay. Man, it's very difficult to tell from a computer. Um, it's still, it's still, it's still nice. So we are looking um, at a port through a window in what looks like some lovely town in the south of France, or, or n- not. But mm. I mean, something, something. I say south of France, maybe it isn't actually. But there's like a window, uh, big French doors, and then a little terrace, and then a window from that little terrace out. And in between that, there, between the terrace and the doors, um, there are some plants, mm. maybe some tomatoes, some things like this. Yeah. Um, and here, here it is very much the late afternoon. Yeah. I would think. Tell me, about blue, the, tell me about the doors. Blue, purple, um, orange, warm light. Yeah. The doors? Yeah. What about them? They're open. They're open, but in terms of the style, I think you actually have a difference. The door on the right actually seems, I mean, it looks like one of those broken late Van Gogh, uh, uh, Gauguin, 
And even Suzanne, thinking, some of his still lives. Uh, you're thinking of those strange perspectives, like in the, yes. room, the artist's room, is it called? Or what's the room? The room one? The Van Gogh room one? Uh, uh, Listeners, you'll know what I mean. Yes. The one with the room. The there's like a bed. The there's a big bed in it and mm. so on. Um, the one that's not yes. outside. It's the one that's in a room. Yeah, it's the room with the bed. But, <laughs> yes. but it's, it's the room with the bed and um, there's... There's a very yes, like yeah, kind of elongated perspective yeah. to it that doesn't. But don't you quite think? Work. And it looks far. It looks very rough, very shoddy here. Yes. But you've got <clears> reflections <throat> seemingly in the windows, mm-hmm. and it's a very washed-out palette, not very diverse. Uh, in in terms of the first one, the woman with hat, you've got the full spectrum of the rainbow, yes. but very heavy in terms of blacks uh, as well, like lots of dark purples, uh, dark blues. And and I will, I've looked at it quite closely. It does seem that there is actually it's it's not like a, 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 a you know some of Signac's work where he doesn't use black at all. It's always just darker colours, but never quite there. I think there is black actually in that, and there is a black outline. But here, again, we, we've got very little of that. This seems to be blues, but they're not very vibrant colours apart from these sort of reds. I'd say it's dominated by reds and then a purple pinkish hue. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes, completely. And in terms of the brush strokes, you've got this sky that seems very broken up in terms of very simple. But it's a lot more placid than the last one. There's a lot. It's a lot, yes. it's a lot softer. It, it, it seems like he took like uh, more time to do it. I mean, mm. there's there's less of that like passion um, than there is in the last one. But it's but it's again very warm and embracing, like like the sunset it's painting. But it doesn't move you anywhere as much as the last one. No, but the more you look at it, the more I look at it, yeah, I, I like it. It's, it is, I begrudgingly, I admit, kind of beautiful. Some people have looked at this and thought that it's got, you know, references to over four different Impressionist and post-Impressionist artists. Van Gogh, Cezanne are all in there. I'm sure it could uh, Do you know how big it is? It, it, they're all small. They're what, all is, what does that small. mean? I mean, they're not... Uh... Now, 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 listeners, Thomas is showing me with his hands the size of the painting, <laughs> which is very, very interesting. Um, yes, that, that's a good size. Yeah, that's a good uh-huh. size. Yes, right. absolutely. It's that size. Well, so I think, I think that we live in, a, in an age of far too big paintings where, because people go to art fairs to buy paintings and stuff, mm. they tend to, only the biggest ones catch your eye. Take, take a notice. Um, next time you go to some very contemporary show, Paintings are very, very big nowadays, um, which... So, I mean, who the hell has the space for a painting uh, 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 like Titanic size? It's strange. We're going to do this, okay? We're mentioning this. Uh, Ezra Pound said uh, at the beginning of the last century, make it new. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you've got uh, the line, if you can't make it new, make it big. Yeah. And if it's not enough... Uh, if that's not enough, make it shiny. And, and, uh, that, and that, that general idea has made Jeff Koons a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Um, if only we'd thought of it yeah. sooner. Oh, gosh. That's but, a, but, but yeah, I guess these are, these, are, these are of a mo- more modest size. Yes, um, they are right. modest. Interesting. But this one doesn't move you. In terms of uh, it, it, it moves me. again... It, it moves me a bit, but, but the other one is a lot more... Yeah, it's classical, it's but it's a, it's strange. Yeah. It's strange. It's strange mm. because usually uh, landscapes, I think, aren't cropped. Okay. Yes. Um, the composition here is a bit is a bit stranger, you know, because oh, I like the fact it's almost as if it's a yes. it's almost as if it's a painting, like it, as if you are looking as if it's a painting of a painting. Yes. Um, because he's looking at it through from the outside, so 
Um, it's the it's doors, strange. The, room the doors, itself the doors in the room. Yeah, what yeah. You can see. Yes, fantastic. Limits what you can see. It's strange. What are some of the ways that you could think about the composition? I love it. Oh, there you go. Yes. Uh, Thomas uh, is trying to uh, lay out, <laughs> lay out different ways of seeing. Um, hey, it's all it's all part in the, the it's all in the prep. Sure. And now we're on to something. So those two were Matisse. Okay. And now we're uh, on to yeah. Derain. Wow, what a shock! Wow. Okay. It's difficult. Dif- what's the name different? of this? What's the name of this one? Do you know it? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, this is the drying. The, the, sales, the drying or, sales. Yeah. Or le séchage des voiles. Séchage des voiles. It's more of the drying of sails. Mm. Yeah. Or the sail drying. So there's people drying sails. Yeah. Um, this is very different. It is very different. Again, I, I, it's always a little difficult to tell, talk about color when you can't see the real thing um, under natural light because you find different versions of things online yeah, that look yeah. wildly different. But, but yeah, yeah. If, this is, if this is right, then there's really... I mean, that seems like bare canvas. Yes. Yeah, it or is, like yes, gesso yes, yes. or bare, yeah. or like just barely prepared canvas. Yeah, there's negative space, yeah. yeah. Which I love. And um, very jarring. That white is really jarring. I, I guess, especially when compared to the last one, that was so serene. That <laughs> the more we looked at it, the more I thought, "Oh, wouldn't it be nice to just sit there in that room and kind of let the time while away?" See, I, I love this. I really mm. love this. Uh, How come I, I you you, you, you tell me about it? You've been interrogating me. Yes, I have. Well, because and describe describe the scene. Okay, so uh, uh, this is this is we're at, it's a standard port scene. Um, and this is a subject that uh, Devan will tackle many, many times. He's tackled mm-hmm. it already. And so we are currently we are currently standing somewhere above the right side of the port. Presumably, there's a lighthouse right out of view to the right. Yeah, something like that. And We've then around boats. we see the port and ships. Boats on the land. The sails drying. Um, uh, uh, one or two on the water. Lots of people. This uh, and then in the background we've got some sort of mountains. Again, doesn't look very realistic at all. Mm-hmm. Non naturalistic. But you've got these great geometric shapes from the sails, these these knife blades, mm. uh, and that because as Eros says that they are this uh, they are this blank canvas, they are this negative space. I think it's so striking. But he's also got uses negative space in terms of the water, um, so he uses it to create light effects. Uh, it, it's it's he it, it actually conjures the water. With only a handful of brush strokes of blue and and greys even uh, to just make out this water, I think it's really it, it's it's wonderful in terms of, uh, of of how it plays with with the space. And this is how I think we should really start to think about uh, complicating mediums. Even what we said was the lighthouse. You can still see some of the canvas through that. The buildings in the background mm-hmm. now, because you've sort of got this uh, seafront uh, sure. sort of view. Um, that that's all blank canvas, and then right at the in the back uh, in the background you have these uh, uh, voluptuous, but rather voluptuous. You yeah, think. they are. They are. Mm. Or, would, or would you prefer uh, bulbous? Because they are it, also it, bulbous. To be completely honest, I'd prefer neither. False dichotomy. Fair enough. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but um, mountains. I, I th- mountains. Yeah, mountains. They're mountains. So so question here. What um. What do we think of time of day? Is there is there is there such a thing here? I, I'm uh, well. 
I'm not going to say a time of day based off of the light. I mean, obviously, this is based off the dark. of anything. Uh, would yeah. you say a time of day? I would say because you've got uh, lots of figures in it who seem to be busy. You've got one who, who seems to be carrying something right in the in the lower left hand corner. Uh, this is very near. This is about as much of a foreground as we get. Sure. So I think that they person... They seem to be busy. They seem to be in the midst of action. Probably. Uh, then I would think it's probably the afternoon because there are yeah. children around. And people That's are in the probably, boats. There's probably carrying... Thing. Sure, there's, there's a little yeah. rowboat. That rowboat. person's probably carrying some kind of a lobster trap or something like this. Yeah. I don't know if they had lobsters here. Um, but yeah, people are drying sails. It's a lot, it's a lot, more, a lot more abstract. It's a lot more almost, I don't want to say something like constructivist, but like it's, we're, we're moving towards, this seems different. Mm. This seems very different. This does not seem impressionistic to me. We've got these figures that are built of only a handful of lines. There's no, there's no detail. And as as you said, they're they're pretty geometric and stark. Um, And they, this is, there's, there's these like two sails, things on the floor that are just these Jagged little lines. Definitely look at the painting. Mm. Um, I'm not going to keep describing they're, it to you, but it's not. That, they're not stick figures. There is some flow, some motion to them, but they are very. They're, they're still quite stern images, and there also seem to be uh, quite strong outlines for the people as well. Yeah, I, think I mean, for instance, for instance, here the 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 the, the two bathers, the the two people on the rowboat, are made up of two dots, two orange mm-hmm. dots. And then lines that could easily be mistaken for the sea behind them. Yeah, and then just the negative space. That's I mean, pretty good. I think it's fantastic in terms of technique. This, this is mm-hmm. now. This is I, I like this a lot less. You like this less? A, a lot less. Why? A lot less. It's just not as pleasing to me. The colors. Uh, I, I think that the, in terms of saturation, the strongest colors are red and blue. So we do have, uh, you know. I don't even see reds. They're more ochres. Red ochres, sort of oranges, yeah. Uh, but then other than that, you get these more pastel uh, sort of uh, 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 I think I think actually the composition is a bit odd. Um, the weight of it seems a bit off. Seems like the painting is tilting to the right. Um, yeah, there is a heaviness on the right. A little strange. It's, I, I don't love it as much. The, the sails are great. The sails are pretty cool. But the, then there's some like brush brushwork in the back that looks a little like Van Gogh-y on the, yeah, the kind of flowing mountains. Gogh, yeah, exactly. it's, I don't like the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say the mountains in the background. But, so, so that's that. I think this is a great play. You've got the negative space in this Dahan work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, again, okay. to see this, the full scope. Now, uh, then there is uh, a Louis Vallat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't guarantee that this was actually there, but I couldn't actually get the one that was that definitely was there, there yeah. in colour. Uh, so we're going to use instead um, uh, barge on the sand I mean, they're, they're, as a substitute. These, these seem a lot more conventional. These seem a lot more conventional kind of versions of a kind of warmer, almost more historical impressionism. Yeah. You still got a heavy black outline in terms of like you know they, they seem to be shadows. Yes, which a lot for, of who I mentioned earlier, Felix Valoton has a lot of that. Mm. Um, oh, we're back to him. But, but, but in a almost cartoonish kind of way, really great, but very different. Um, there are other people that have that that outline. Mm. Um, and here I'm thinking of some Swiss people, um, like Ferdinand Hodler and people like this. That's what comes to mind. 
but they have a very different they're I think more symbolists mm. I, I hope I hope I'm not making a real oh, mess of it interesting okay um, I, we're going to touch on symbolism and expressionism it, so it's, it's, it's <clears throat> symbolism and a little bit of impressionism and like different versions of impressionism um, like Swiss impressionism I think was really interesting and they have a little bit of that of that as well um, but yeah here I don't know here it seems it seems like a maybe it's just a color palette mm. because there are okay just brief description there's like a rocky what is this the Seine like yes the Seine, the Seine. okay so this like a, a barge on the Seine but a long time ago so it's just you know think of think of a, of a rocky shore of the Thames um, but just on a night on an actually nice day with a bunch of <laughs> kind of far off where the rowing clubs are and there's like a nice uh, you know I don't know, whatever, nice boats and a nice light. Or when Oxford and Cambridge race each other. Exactly. Oh, chat. Christ. (laughs) But uh, in terms of this composition, I can't, as I say, I I don't know if this one was actually there when I picked it. Um, But it is 1905. Mm -hmm. I'd like to say one thing about it. it is a, a, it's broken up as a diagonal. I mean, but it's, half it's of a it much, is this yeah. rocky form at the bottom. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. It's incredible that half, that half of the image is just that. Yeah. This I, foreground rocky image. I don't totally love it, but yeah, the more you look at these paintings, they, they do draw you in. Um, but it is. I think there's a strong abstraction in this that would then be of great influence later. It could be. I mean, the more, the more abstract, I think this would be better. If this was even more abstract, it, it's almost it's almost it's like too early. Yeah, it's almost like it's attempt it's attempt to yeah, yeah of course. The, 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 the Thomas is pointing at the bottom right of this painting, um, and just the whole stripe of it. That mm. so much of it is um, it, it's it's attempt to kind of stick to tradition um, or stick to conventions of landscape painting. Really harm it. Mm. Um, because I think landscape painting, especially of like city or human things, can so easily be a postcard. Yeah. Um, and here it's like right on the verge mm. of getting interesting. Kind of. Saturation, what do you think? Saturation, what do you mean? Of, of Does it, I mean, uh, how strong is the color? Oh, pretty, pretty strong. But, but much more realistic. Mm. The, the colors seem very realistic, actually. I would think that these colors you could find on the actual... In the world. In the world. Whereas, you know, Matisse's woman with a hat, nothing to do with that. No. Yeah, no, I yeah, This is a agree. significantly worse painting than the, well, it's the Matisse new. ones. Sure. It's nothing new, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, it's, it's not, you know, bad. Now, this is more... Jean Poy. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, uh, so this is Can a, you pronounce that for me? Flan- Flannerie sous les pins. So flané is like to laze around, kind of. Um, and so it's just lazing around under like the, the pine trees. Like the flaneur. Yeah. Just strolling around. Well, but... With a lobster. Sure. <laughs> but, 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 but the flaneur is, is rich, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Not necessarily. Well, but, yeah. eh, a little bit. I mean, the... the Might the, be skint. <laughs> flaneurs usually weren't totally skint. But yeah, okay, sure. They're all ill. Yeah. They've all got lurgy. Yeah. No, <laughs> they've all got... Um, but no, no, you're right. No, you're yeah. right. They're just they're just yeah. late, wandering around. But uh, what, what about this scene? Again, very di- uh, in terms of how does it compare with uh, Valat? Hmm. In terms of the Valat. That was the last one. Yes. Ah, right. Sorry. Just yeah. So this is poor. Right inter- yeah. This is pretty good. I like. This. No, but in terms of like, I, I'm trying to ascertain. Do you get any sense of continu- uh, continuity? 
So here there are several me? there are several people that are two women fully clothed looking at one another having a bit of a picnic then there's a man with a beret staring at them leeringly then there's a donkey in the background in the very far background there is a, a, a river perhaps the sea and an island we don't really know then there is a naked woman in front of the donkey and to her left is a man that is painting her all of this underneath the shadow of the pine trees through That's which lovely. through which a lovely kind of glimmer of light shines in different bits mm. the, the light's really wonderful here in terms of composition again seems in term, uh, seems quite standard in terms of that impressionistic work mm-hmm. it's it is eclectic it has something of a pastoral scene about it it's it very relaxed I, I like the the light through the through the trees so the the shadow mm. of the trees it's looks like a Again, hard to tell. It's almost it's like a divisionistic part is a, yes, exactly the divisionism. Yeah. So the almost pointillistic mm. kind of application of of uh, color, almost as if there's a sunset going on in the background or late afternoon. Um, yeah, it's very warm. You've got that, and uh, again, I think in this, it's well worth mentioning that uh, here there is a great dominance in terms of uh, complementary colors. So that that light that seems to be bursting through. That's sort of rendered as a kind of greenish orange. Yes. Uh, you know, almost a kind of gold. Yeah, gold. That comes out of it. Um, but then that's contrasted with this kind of pinkish purple that's caused by the mm-hmm. shadow. And so you've got that nice sort of complementary colors, and that's what dominates the image in terms of the color scheme. But again, it's Remind, still it's, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned divisionism, because really those yeah. colors, that color scheme directly reminds me of this man whose name I can't remember, with an S. Signac? No. Sioca? No, no. Divisionist, Italian. Oh, you mean uh, you mean uh, our futurists? Yeah, but the the, the divisionist, Russo. No, well, anyway, well, the, what you only? No, 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 no. I mean a divisionist, but anyway, oh. that's fine. Um, one, one, one of their masters. It that 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 kind of light is um very much of that time. Um, but the subject again, very classical. I think we can say that all of these images have, uh, in, in terms of their genre, what they depict, very classical. We've had the portraits. This is, this is very We've much a kind of déjeuner sur l'herbe uh, Manet scene, um, yeah. but without Manet's genius um, <laughs> in 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 the the strangeness that he imbues in that scene. Um, but this is nice. Yeah. It's again, again, it's, in terms of definition, I mean, this is, this we're not turn the resolution down to nothing. Sure. You can't make out faces, really. Sure. But but again, here we're getting somewhere. But yeah, it's 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 nice. But there's there's also the last thing I'm going to say about this one. Um, there's kind of a circular sweep to it. Do you feel that also from the bottom? At the bottom of it, it almost feels like there's like there's some kind of a lens effect, um, like a fish, a, a fish slight eye. fish eye yeah. lens effect. Going on, I do like get. I think it helps with the, with the with the sea as well at the bow. Um, yeah. There's like a fish eye going on, so this one feels. Fo- it almost feels like they drawn from a photograph. Yeah, but in terms of the composition, I, I do quite like it. Uh, th- th- there is something about the waiting. That guy in the beret, yes. he doesn't seem to be rooted on the ground. He does no, seem he, to. No, you're float. right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, in fact, I think he was most definitely added afterwards. He seemed like. <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange. Because everyone else does seem to be rooted to the ground, but the beret man is floating. But even the two women who are, uh, who are fully dressed, just looking at each other, sort of conversing or whatever, uh, they seem to have quite strong outlines at points, just at the back of the heads. 
and uh, again, the, the the light source doesn't seem consistent. Well, it's it's difficult, I think, now because it really feels like you're looking at a at a kind of transitional point in someone's like this doesn't feel like a fully realized artistic vision yet. Maybe I'm really I'm probably bringing all of this in now because I know. Um, a bit about foes or whatever. Well, I'm going to challenge you on this. This is why I'm, but, but I'm I, I so guess, unconvinced I guess about all of this history. What I, mean, what I mean by this is I'm not entirely sure if these are mistakes or if this is fully intentional. Um, I think that's, that's what I mean. Mm. Now, if, if it was someone like Degas doing it, then, okay, that's completely intentional. I mean, the man was a fantastic draftsman. Yes. Right, but here I don't maybe know enough to know if this is a real... <laughs> but who's the Jean because boy? if so, hack. Well, maybe not. Maybe he's, he's fantastic, but he's definitely playing with perspective. I yes. guess he is playing with perspective, um, which is which is interesting. Mm. I mean, these, these almost seem like stickers, then, the people in the foreground. I agree. I think that that's, that's a really nice point. Um, no. And uh, wow. our penultimate... What is this now? Yes, so this is... Cool. Yeah. Jeu de Massacre. Sometimes called Slaughter. Jeu de Massacre. Uh, and this is the massacre by game. Uh, Georges Rouault. Yeah. And I'm fascinated wow. by this man. Yeah. Uh, has some really incredible work. Tell me about this image. So, it looks like we are seeing a group of people. Are they waiting behind a desk? I I have the feeling that maybe this is a courtroom of some kind. I, I don't know. No, it's definitely not a courtroom. But um, there's a woman uh, with big gloves on and some amount of cleavage. And then behind her, there seem to be uh, there's a, a man with a, one of those round hats that people used to have. Bowler a, hat. Bowler hat. There you go. A chaplain bowler hat. And uh, yeah, different different people. What do you think? Do you, do you know more about this? So, I, I, uh, so yeah. In in terms of its uh, uh, its subject matter, yeah. Foreground, we do have this this sort of woman who's and there's, there's a de- there's a desk, right? There's a yeah, desk some from sort of which desk we're observing. Sort of table, them. yeah. We're like on the point of view of, of someone seeing. Yeah, them. they look very miserable. And then in the background, you've you've got the, these five people, an eclectic bunch. But that it's not really the subject matter mm. that's depicted that is overpowering. If this is in a room against those other images that you've just seen... Completely different. This is totally, totally different. It's, for one, it's called Massacre. Mm-hmm. It's called Slaughter. This is hard-hitting. And these, these brushstrokes, I mean, it almost looks like it's been made out with a biro. I think it's where ink. It's been, yeah, but it's been, looks like it's been actually, like, scraped, etched in. Yeah, it's violent, you, it's Yeah, fast. it is violent. It's it looks, incredibly violent. It looks a little bit like... Uh, it has airs of the kind of German expressionism that would come later. Of like George Gross in yes. the more kind of intense, scratchy, a really scratchy George Gross a little bit. Um, so, a little bit. So the color palette here is blue and red. Um, everything is kind of bathed in this blue shadow except for the woman in the foreground who is whose dress is red. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's very hard to tell details, but it almost looks as if he's bruised. Yeah. 
The faces um, look tormented. They're, everyone looks tormented, yeah. I mean, it's, it's as if there have been pins stuck into the very fabric of reality here. Mm-hmm. If you look at the image, I think that, you know, listeners will be able to actually see what I mean by that. It, every single line, it, it seems to have other lines that, that penetrate it, but they don't really add to it. They don't add any, you know... It, it, this is a, a base material, agonised world. Ruo, that's why. That's why I thought. I thought immediately of mm. of something like a courthouse. Yes, I mean, it feels like that. We can mention. It feels that judgment is ongoing in that image. You know? Oh, that's a great phrase. Because that woman in the back left looks like she's. Judgment is ongoing. Mm-hmm. I bet Ruo would actually really like that. Not really? Because he, he. Well, no, he was very no. religious. He was very religious. He's very yeah. religious. And so. religious people do love judgment. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I really have become interested in this guy. Yeah. And so uh, he's got some great work in the 1930s where he does these misery series. Mm-hmm. He's got lots of images of Christ and they are similarly tormented, like really, really yeah. rough. So tell me, you've seen this uh, massacre in the same room as these others. The color palette, I think, is, is totally different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely different. This seems to me to have no relation at all. Absolutely none. Yeah, no, no, no relation whatsoever. No, yeah. this is not a forest. Uh, <laughs> however, we're now going to potentially see what made this, yeah, this one is, this critic. Is, this, is a huge, this is a yeah. huge middle finger to whatever the hell Matisse is doing. I mean, <laughs> are, you, are you pleased that I left this to last? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, excellent. Yeah. Um, and now I'm going to show you the thing that will potentially change it all around. Okay. Now, this is, this is uh, Donatello's David. This was not there, but there was some sculpture that was of a sort of classical Renaissance style. Interesting. But, so wait, it wasn't there? This, this brought... No, the, the David's Donatello was not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, uh, Donatello's David was not there. But there was a work that was... Uh, uh, this is my placeholder work for mm-hmm. it. Right. So facing that, this is uh, well. Okay, this is the thing. Facing that, this, this is, is in the middle of the room. This is the interesting. This is the interesting thing about about tradition. About mm. uh, uh, um, that little thing I read about tradition and them wanting to somehow um, rejoin tradition. I mean, maybe they mean it just in the sense that they would like to also rejoin the kind of world of fancy art in some way. Or something like this. Mm. Um, I, I will have a much clearer picture of what all that means in the next episode. Mm. Trust me. Um, Maybe it's like Mick Jagger getting knighted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the original which, which, one the of the hell? rebels of music gets terrible. It becomes part of uh, the the establishment. Terrible, yeah. awful, awful thing to happen. They all want to be part of it. I hope not. Some yeah. don't. Yeah, that's true. yeah. Don't be Iggy Pop would ever get knighted. Because he's American. Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I, I wanted here to read something um, to do with this. Yeah. Um, and this was by Othon Fries, um, who was, again, another... Yeah, well, I haven't got any uh, of his works. Uh, no, but, but, it, but I had a look, and they're a bit similar to that painting of the Seine and that I said looked like the Thames. Um, what was his name again? Uh, so they're somewhat yeah. similar to this, Mr. Louis... Uh, Louis Vallat, I think. Yeah. Uh, Louis Vallat. Similar in that same middle place. And what he says is, Fauvism was not, just, was not just an attitude, a gesture, but a logical development, a necessary means by which we could impose our will on painting while 
still remaining within the boundaries of tradition. Mm. And with that being said, I think having a an image like uh, uh, having a really neoclassical sculpture, although you know this one, the, the one you picked is maybe not just neoclassical. I mean, there's other things going on with it. Um, it. It fits. It fits for all of these things to coexist. And for Matisse, for whom work of arts are primarily decorative, it makes sense, I think, um, for this new art to kind of seamlessly, in a strange, innovative and beautiful way, coexist with everything else that you have in your enormous Paris palace home thing. Um, Okay. So now, um, Huo yeah. does not seem to coexist so, in that uh, world whatsoever. I, 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 mean, want, yeah, to, I a, want to. A, a hear, I'm going to push you thing. for a quick summary. Then, in terms of you're a critic, mm-hmm. you're a critic, and you've been through this room. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I mean, some of them. Seem this is my very, fragment of that room. It's it's very. Di- they're all very different. I, I guess some of them. Remember that this room existed. This is different. This is then different than the impressionists. It yes. is notably different than the impressionists. Yeah, um, they seem to be going in different directions. Some of them very different directions, but they are animated by a similar. I don't know. They all color is very important for them, but they use it in different ways. It to me, from what you've picked, yep, it does not seem like a coherent whole. I would bulk the first two you showed me, so the the, the Matisse's, yeah, and um, so I, I would uh, bulk Derain. exactly Matisse and Derain maybe in the same world. Yeah, um, because both of them are are abstracting with a primacy of color. With the negative, yeah, uh, but 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 they could, but they're still playing yeah. with the same stuff. Yeah, you know they're still playing with the same stuff. That seems very similar. And then and then in in a way again here I can I can see that extended with uh, um, Valat, but less so. I mean Valat Valat seems much more old guard to me. Like yeah. Valat is struggling more. It's, Valat is almost more like trying to take impressionism, like back to something like. It, it, this feels very like Camille Corot to mm. me, or like, almost trying to make some weird union between this and Courbet without all of Courbet's wonderfulness. Um, and then this one that you showed me the and then, uh, poise, yeah, Planeur. poise. Um, again. Interesting, but not entirely Heavily in divorced terms of from impressionism. Technique. I think this one. Uh, yes, this is this is a kind of strange divisionism with some like lens work almost. Lens like, work. like there's some optical play playfulness yeah. happening. Mention the split, yeah. uh, uh, complementary colors there. Sure. Do you think that there's any relation to a work like a by artists like Bonnard? Because I see that you've made a note of this. Yes, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I, I would say Bonnard, Bonnard would almost be like the midpoint between what this is and Matisse. Mm. But if, I, if, I if you were to show me... Good. Yeah, if you were nice. to show me like uh, Bonnard and Matisse, I'd say yes, sure, I can see how these form whole. So, truthfully, if you were a critic at the time, again, we haven't been able to recreate the whole room. This is only a fragment of this one room at this one salon. But you're a critic there. We've seen the this Renaissance statue or Renaissance-esque statue in the middle and then all these works around it. And there's a little bit of a struggle in terms of drawing any strong com- 
comparisons. Do you think that if you heard someone like Louis Voxel, who walks in and says, Oh, look, Donatello among the wild beasts. And that's his comment when he enters that room and looks around. He looks at the middle statue that seems this Renaissance-esque statue and then looks around and sees these, these works. Why, why does he call the works around it the wild beasts? Mm. As, as, if we're to be very strict there, as a term, it seems that it's the term for wild beast, that's what for, for it's, it, it's directly drawn in comparison to uh, a Renaissance-esque mm-hmm. structure. And yet, when we look at the works, you don't immediately think that. So this is why I, I bring up that question at the beginning. How does so, the context of a work, its environment, mm-hmm. influence and affect the way that you're going to look at it? I think it affects it a lot. It's not beasts. They're not wild beasts. Wild animals? A little bit, but I want to move... It's Beast makes it seem aggressive. Mm. Fauve is not really aggressive. It's wild. Just the wilds. Which is different. It's very different from... Like, it doesn't have... It doesn't carry this, like, aggressive tone that you'd think. Non-domestic. Because you think, among the beasts, kind of, you'd think, oh, wow, big uh, minotaurs or or things like this. Um, But that's not what necessarily fauve means. It means wild. Yeah. Mm. More. So... It's the wild, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's... more unkempt, less kind of bound, I think, by certain artistic strictures. I think that's more the tone. Mm. Um, but there is a wildness. There is a wildness. I mean, there's, there's a, a craziness in how it's painted. So again, I, I don't know if I would consider them all one thing, but if, they, if this is the room of the crazies, then sure, call them the crazies. But again, it seems to be, because when he first comes up with it, it's in relation to this central statue that seems of a very different style to him. Yes. Yes. And this already makes me you know, very sceptical about how we should treat this. Mm-hmm. Again, how do we look at a work? We've, we've gone through some of these major works. Um, and who's, uh, even with like uh, Poi, you were saying that uh, there seems to be quite, it's quite different to Matisse's uh, Woman in Hat and Open Window. This one seems far more divisionist. Uh, but then you get something like Rule, and and mm-hmm. it's, it it doesn't even it, does that look anything like any of the others? No, no, it it really doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I think what you could say is that uh, perhaps it seems quite um, quite loose in terms of its its composition again like the impressionists people might say that they look like unfinished works mm-hmm. people could do that or like sketches or drafts that these aren't quite whatever the final product should be they're somewhere along that process mm-hmm. they've got that in common when when contrasted with um uh, uh say this classical renaissance work in the middle or, or that style mm-hmm but then beyond that, they, they, I mean, the colour palette is totally different, even in terms of how the colour is used, in terms of how the shadows and figures are modelled. We, we talked about the Duran, the, the, you know, that you've, you've got these figures that seemed very minimalist, um, and they, the techniques are different, the use of primary colours. Uh, 
they, they do look very, very different. Sure. That's the truth of it. But so what did, uh, did they think of at the time? Well, so uh, in uh, L'Illustration, in the November issue, mm-hmm. early November issue, um, we actually have some quotes from the critics of the mm-hmm. time. And you have read them in the French. Mm-hmm. I could have put them through Translate, and I put some of them through Translate, but I don't remember them. Mm-hmm. So you are going to translate them live in your own inimitable style. Oh, God. Uh, so um, about Matisse, the critics were not very positive. Um, and these are Femme au, cha- au Chapeau, so the woman in a hat and uh, open window. These are yes, the same two the ones, ones that we've we, just been looking that at. we looked at. <laughs> Here they think Mr. Matisse is one of the most robustly gifted, so I guess consistently gifted of the paint of today's painters. Um, he could have easily gotten many bravos. Um, however, he uh, would rather plunge, um, uh, rather like work tirelessly kind of against the current sort of at um, passionate researches uh, demanding from pointillism, more vibrations and luminosity. Uh, but, unfortunately, the form suffers, is <laughs> what they say. Wow. So, to, to draw it with our question at the beginning, what's the role of the critic? Yeah, the, the, the it would seem to be even, very pretentious. The other ones, the other ones, the other ones, be more, the other ones even better. The other ones with even the vibrations better. of luminosity. We're wanting to get that, yeah. Vibration, vibrations of luminosity. Um, the other one is, well, that's something you'd say. <laughs> that's, but that's Louis Vauxel as sure. well. That's the same guy who's saying the wild beast. He's mm-hmm. this is the in, uh, this is the, uh, the he's the and in a way he's names. not he's the Adam. Sure, in a way he's not creatures. In a way he's not completely wrong. I mean, I mean, it's not. It, it, it has a form. It has a roughness to it. Did you get that pointless to the compliment? We don't see that at um, all. I, I, I guess. No, divisionist-y. no, it, sure. Yeah, but it's not certainly not pointless. And when compared with the poi. Miles away. Right. The point is more, more pointless. Maybe the other one is we more We disagree point- with Voxel. Yeah, <laughs> the other one is a little more pointless, perhaps, than the other one. But so, then the other, the other uh, thing they say about him is even Does better. Does the form suffer? That Matisse, as uh, good as he is, yeah. uh, sorry, as gifted as he is, um, is, like others, working at <laughs> colorful eccentricities. But someday, someday he'll return to himself. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt he will, says Gustave Geoffroy. Does the form suffer? I, I, I loved it. I kind of loved that painting. I really liked it. Which one? The Femme au Chapeau? Or yes, the... Femme au Chapeau. Yeah. You don't like the open window. I, I didn't mind it the more I looked at it. I don't like open window, personally. Mm, interesting. I, I, but I, I, I didn't I love it as much. I, 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 I don't like think it's very more. interesting to look at. I, That's fair. No. That's fair. But but uh, yes, Famous Chapeau I liked I liked a lot more. So what else? Yeah, what else? They experimental though, right? Mm-hmm. They both say their research is that they're these mm-hmm. kind of. It is so of the Derain that you liked so much that I was not so hot on. Uh, yeah. I feel pretty uh, pretty vindicated by the critical response here, uh, who said <laughs> that uh, he thinks Monsieur Derain is much more a kind of poster painter than he is a than he is a a, a painter painter. Um, it's more like a publicist than a painter, which is brutal. Uh, <laughs> um, there's easy juxtaposition of the complementary colors. Uh, looks like an art that is that is um, 
um, volontaire, so, so uh, that is deliberately puerile. Um, but, hey, let's not be all the way mean. This would look lovely in a... Uh, these little boats would look lovely decorating a, chi- a child's bedroom. <laughs> this is Louis Vuitton Devastating. Again. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. So, so far, what are you taking away from the role <laughs> of the critic? I mean, the role of the critic is to be a spicy, um, kind of entirely unimportant figure in... <laughs> Apparently not, since in, this in guy arts. defines a movement. Sure. You know, you know, you remember our old no, intro. No, I know, I know, I know. Keen listeners will notice that the intro was gone. I know, an intro, intro that... Yeah. that I, the 20th I, century marked a change in the arts, no longer waiting it, to be retrospectively an intro I defined more. by uh, <laughs> critics and historians. This guy is a critic. Sure. And they are being defined by a critic. Mm-hmm. That's why this def- that old intro definitely had no place here, mm-hmm. because the folks are literally defined by a critic. Sure. So clearly, our pre-episode planning is bleeding into the episode here. We're we're battling it out about the, the introduction. Yeah, but, no, I but hate this guy. That aside, <laughs> this yeah, you made him absolute villain. Maybe, but he's it's not a great painting. But that's, it's that's a what wonderful I painting. <laughs> sure, it's much better than Louis Valtez. Probably. But Rivalat, so the painting that, that was exposed here, they like very much. They yeah, like very much because did. it's a nice little painting of a seaside and it doesn't, does not take any risks and it, it's not trying to it do anything. It doesn't take any risks and that's yes. to be commended, is it? Well, no, but it was more successful than the risk-taking one beside it. It's okay. It's just the risks of taking risks. That's why it's called taking I like risks. the negative space. I think that that's a tremendous thing. Innovation of technique, there's not even any similarity in technique. I, I half think the time they're divisions, half the time they're not. Sure, this although I think Mr. Derain can very much keep his negative space. <laughs> I won't have it. But it, it, it's interesting. And it has, it has some things. Japanese art would have qualms. Well, Japanese art can very much as would, give as me would, its negative um, space. Uh, uh, Aubrey Beardsley. There's a black and okay, white Okay, but that's minimalist. different. That's different. That's drawing. That's ink no. drawing. Ink drawing. Yes. The ink drawing. It's, it's this is 20th oil. century. It's but, just what uh, not. It's I know, but it's to be innovative. But, well, but drawing with ink is Make just a different new. technique. So it's, it's like saying that, oh, Durer has negative space. Well, of course he does. That's the, the technique. Uh, anyway, besides the point. You should be mixing so, media. <laughs> sure. So then Bacon Monsieur puts dust in his work. I don't say that the dust is necessarily good, but... It, but he puts he it does. there. Yeah, yeah. He does put it there. So, Monsieur Bouy... Um, Again, one they quite liked. Uh, it said that it evoked oh. the large schematism of Cezanne and was represented by the scenes in plain air or the volumes that he, cho- cho- uh, that he chooses to place. Um, they are well established. Um, They're not yeah. well established. We just said that they weren't. Yes. We said that the man in the beret looks like he's floating. Um, and I, he does. I, I would say a lot of things, but that the volumes are well established is not really one of them. No. In also, fact, I, I think in this picture and here depth, is cropped. sense of yeah. depth is utterly shattered. <laughs> there you I, go. Which I don't, There's I don't my mind. role as a critic. Utterly shattered. I can be as scathing as this hack. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah no, I'm furious at this. Second. Interesting. Interesting. 
Um, Do you remember how nicely we started when I said, yeah, we Ariel, we're going to have a very, you know, it's going to be an easy episode. But this episode, this episode is an episode of Manifest Image After Dark has turned ugly. Yeah. <laughs> it, goes on. it is, we are recording so, so 20 look, to 10 at So to, to kind of... So to wrap this up a little bit, because we are um, running long. Yes. How do we? Uh, how, no, how should I, we I want the rule. What, what do you think? I want the rule. Oh, of course, the rule. Um, very positive. Very positive reviews. They like. And how the do rule. they translate this one? Because this one is it's titled slightly differently. Here. What's the title in English? Uh, they sometimes they call it slaughter or the massacre, right. but here it's actually you've got. Fora cabotin pitre. So it's just different, different different people. I don't really know what a pitre is. Or Cabotin, I think that might be a bit old for my time and my um, middle school French. But mm. uh, yes, so here, yeah. Gustave Geoffroy, who really let let uh, Derain have it in the, in the previous one, um, says that Rouault shines better than last year, more than last year. His lantern, lantern, his uh, caricaturist's light. Um, to the uh, research or looking into of girls, forain, uh, cabotin, pitre. So I'm assuming just this this like list of people mm-hmm. um, that if you um, fill this dead air with a little bit of talking for a few seconds, I can yeah. tell you what they mean. Well, it, 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 I want to bring it back to this whole idea of the role of the critic and also how a work is understood in terms of its context. So uh, hams, hams, there we hams. Go. yeah. And uh, yeah, bringing it back to that, um, I think the foes are actually a great example of that since they're very uh, generous. Okay, yeah. So so kind of hams actors, uh, this kind of person, yeah. Hams actors. Hams actors, low lives, you know. Low lives. Oh, I mean, my actors, people. you know, low lives. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize them. <laughs> I've been in the Weatherspoons with them before. <laughs> but no, um, in all seriousness, yeah, I exactly. do actually want exactly. to bring it back. Hacks, artists, actors, all this. Yeah. Because I think the folks are actually a great example of this. The fact that they are defined, apparently, by Louis Voxel. Mm-hmm. I will say... Matisse and his readings, we are going to go back to our old format of we're going to stick to works and then compare them, uh, 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 written works, mm-hmm. and then compare them with uh, paintings, etc., and different styles and different ways of responding. But they do, some of them do ex- accept it. We've heard uh, Othon Friese's, uh, uh, his yes. thought, a very brief one on it. Some seem to reject it in terms of the coherence of the movement, Matisse does accept it hmm. and, and wishes to be associated with it for a time, but it does seem weak. I will give a spoiler. The fact that Rouault is uh, uh, linked to it, probably it's an accident of the room. Again, these were carefully designed rooms mm-hmm. that when they were creating an exhibition. It's always worth thinking. If you're creating your own exhibition, how should you actually distribute your works? If you're a collector, you should always think about what you're pairing uh, in terms of uh, how you're exhibiting these things. If you're sure. having it in your home, does it match? Sure. Think, I, I think a great way of looking at this is in terms of playlists. People today, you know, they talk about the death of the album um, because people rarely listen, you know, they get a new album, listen to it from start to finish. What they'll do is they'll prefer certain songs and then they'll create their own playlists sure. and start to 
uh, team songs that will mean different things. Yeah, people listen by ones. mood, so on. Yeah, some people have like gym music. That they'll start I think so. I, th- I think what's interesting. What's interesting ways. here about it's the, the artists, about the the critics defining um, defining movements, and maybe maybe the general concept of. Well, I, I guess if you're an artist and you you are sick and tired of being defined by your critics, mm. because let's face it, they don't do a very good job. No. I mean, this doesn't look. There's no coherence to, to this as a movement, at least so far. We'll, we'll get into it more yes, we're going in the to next episode. This. But from what I see now, there doesn't seem to be any kind of coherence as a movement. The aims of the different uh, painters and artists within it seem completely opposed to one another. Matisse is completely decorative, um, explicitly so. He says that several times. Uh, Rouault does not seem to be that at all. No. Um, others are vaguely decorative, but maybe are doing something else or more interested in... I mean, Derain there seem to be interested in exploring certain geometric shapes, um, a kind of abstraction which seems patently different to the kind of thing that Matisse is doing. All over the place. Absolutely no cohesion. So I could see that and then... Being, and even in brush strokes. But then also that, that yeah. movements Pala-pala. seem to become probably a very commercial thing, that being a part of a movement means, you know, you want... It's almost some kind of, if, if not a brand, some kind of way of bulking things together that then artists might want to replicate and those that have commercial success, so on, want to replicate the, the other ones and so on, right? Mm. Um, it so does it, bolster it you. Makes, it does give you... Sure, it, it gives you... And you're part of a collective and you're yeah. not just alone. So it makes sense, I think, that artists, that is this very un, kind of anti-social activity almost, mm. would aim for collectivity, for being part of a greater something... Which for its commercial appeal and so on, maybe this is a very pessimistic version of what movements are, end up doing them. So then getting a manifesto, saying explicitly what you are and doing it, seems to give you back some kind of a artistic control over what yeah. you're doing, as opposed to what your audience will expect. I think, I think that I completely agree. I yeah. think that's absolutely right and very nicely put. I think that's why we don't really get, okay, Cubism will come before it. And as well, a handful of others, you've got mm-hmm. German Expressionism, uh, Die Brücke, and uh, um, uh, De Blau Reiter. These things, uh, well, actually not De Blau Reiter, but uh, De Brücke is, is the bridge that's earlier, mm-hmm. all before Futurism. But there's a reason why people tend to think that it's around that, because they're so specific in terms of their manifestos, in terms of their theories that unite them. We're really struggling. I'm going to give a little spoiler... My own suspicion mm-hmm. is that one of the strong ties with uh, the uh, of Rouault and uh, and uh, these other Forbes is that Rouault isn't really a Forbes at all. Is when compared with Renaissance work, okay in terms of these more ex, you know uh, sure. frenetic, crazy, intense, less naturalistic uh, uh, works. Then there's a similarity. You might call it wild. You might call it the wild. But really, I think it's because they come out of uh, the same studio, Gustave Moreau's mm-hmm. studio. Which the, uh, the great Gustave Moreau. Absolutely. Yeah, the absolutely and, great uh, Gustave Flamink, Moreau. Matisse, yeah. Rouault, that, that's where they all come from. And so I think that it's almost a kind of shared history and shared set of inspirations rather than any kind of strong connections in terms of a, 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 a shared project. It's Certainly. more of a shared history than a shared future. And at I think times, that's it. And at times, perhaps, a shared appreciation for color and form. Mm. Um, 
but that's about it. We'll see. I hope. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that you know it's not going to be just this. Uh, oh yeah, we've worked out for you, uh, for Vism this week. That's yeah. done. I hope that I'm wrong. We're going to explore these works and then, we'll see what they say. And for, hopefully that doesn't happen because next week, listeners, you're going to get a full hour of silence. That's it. That's <laughs> all you'll get. A full hour of silence. But no, let's let's bring it back to those initial questions, though. Do you think that it does matter the way that uh, uh, these works are presented together? Like, uh, Well, I mean, clearly it did. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, Fulvism is probably a really great insight to that. So anyone who is a collector, anyone who is wanting to host their own exhibition, and anyone who is a critic and historian or aesthete True. and is looking to try and interpret these things, be very, very aware of how that might impact your work. What a work is per se versus its context and how that context may influence it. There are, there it are so many. Different. There are so many different artists, I think, who, who mm. end up getting lumped into different movements or different... Yeah, I, I guess movements, because that seems yeah. to be the only way we have of talking about things in art that seem similar yeah. in the 20th century for some reason. Um, probably because of the futurists, in a way. They really they did so much. Um, but, yeah, there's, but there's so many, and I think the foes are clearly one of them, where I, I, I struggle to see real... At this moment. At least so far. At least so far. What about in terms of a critic? Do you think a critic has to be humorous and scathing and interesting, a genre in its own right? Sure. Of course it does. Yeah. And I think we've seen that already in the futurists. I think critics... Sure. I think for, for artists, critics are pointless. Mm. Death to the critics, wasn't it? A little bit. I mean, they're, they're, they're difficult. They're very difficult to, to actually take. I don't know what kind of critic would be helpful to an artist. Well, the fact that there was so maybe criticism of there, other right? maybe criticism of other art could be interesting for an artist, but of your own, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if there's any point there. So if it, I mean, there, there might be one. Now. There what might be one artist our, that our, uh, advice to ourselves as critics. Huh? Are we being fair? I've been mocking Louis Voxel and criticizing him. Well, it's okay to mock a critic. It's fun. That's, that's part fine. of the game. Yeah, that's fine. I guess try to approach that's something on on whatever its own terms are. Mm. and see if they speak to you. And in terms of some of the ways to actually start breaking down pictures. See art however you want. See art however you want? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be more... No, see art however you want, but I guess know that there's always more ways to see it. And the more ways you see it, the more things you'll understand. Yeah, I, I think it's always good to bring in things like subject, genre... Yeah, they, they uh, have, middle they ground, have, foreground, but also, background, but also color palette. How strong the color palette is? Is it yeah, like but, mild? But also, those is, are just the kind of different. Saturated. But also, also, those are just kind of the different attributes. But it can help you thing. start to break it down. Sure. And start to interact with it. The longer you stared at the woman in hat, Matisse woman, because initially you were sort of thinking. But the more you sort of engaged with it, the more it opened up, and you suddenly felt you suddenly started to explain that. Ah, oh, in the background there. I think that that might be, uh, or I could interpret it as, uh, as some sort of uh, sunset. And sure, sun but it's also, I, I think, how you, lighting. how you see it, how you feel it. I, I would not give anyone a kind of algorithm uh, through which they could, by answering several questions, could, could get closer to an artwork. I think, I guess, yeah, see, see what it does to you, and then I like to ask if I can pinpoint what it is about it that is doing what to me. Mm. That's what I find quite quite nice. Yeah, no, always trust your instincts. There are many ways of seeing, aren't there? 
Oh, <laughs> lovely reference. And to every John time Berger. you see, and every time you see something, will be a new way. And boy, these chairs oh are very gosh. squeaky. Good God. Yes. Um, but every time you see something, it will be in a different way. And don't let Mr. Uh, what's his name? Voxel. Really get under your skin, Thomas. Yeah. If you're ever <laughs> if you're ever pigeonholed by a critic, tell him to get lost. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, see you next time. There are, as always, uh, well, not as always, for this episode, there will be links in the description to the paintings that we've seen, hopefully in the order that we saw them. Yep. Um, Follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And all and, these things. And, and God, help the misery us out of this, of this, of this digital universe. Kofi. Yeah, yep. on Kofi. And uh, thank you very much.